I wanted to share a tool that I started using recently. And if you're doing any prospecting or lead sourcing from LinkedIn, it's definitely worth checking out. The tool is called Surf and it's spelled S-U-R-F-E. It's a Chrome extension that allows you to add contacts to your CRM directly from LinkedIn. I use it to add contacts quickly, follow my deals, keep track of my notes. And it's actually saved me a bunch of time. The data is always 100% accurate because I don't have to copy and paste each detail from each contact over to my CRM. Instead, Surf does it all for me automatically with just one click. Now, the folks over at Surf have been kind enough to put together a promo offer for fans of SSP. You can go to the link in the show notes and use the promo code JWSURF with an E5 for a 5% discount on your first year. Check out the link in the show notes and go check them out. I've got a secret weapon for you that's going to skyrocket your sales without the unnecessary headaches that come along with using one of the big player CRM systems. That secret weapon is Close CRM. Now let's face it, we've all been there. We've used a clunky, confusing system that kind of makes you want to throw your laptop out the window. Well, fear not, Close is here to save your time, money, and sanity. Close has all of the powerful sales tools you need, minus the drama, to manage your leads, track your deals, and crush your targets effortlessly. It has calling, emailing, SMS, multi-channel sequences, and it even has meeting tracking built right in. It's easy to set up and implement. You can stop screwing around with CRMs that aren't built for you and start selling and managing customers today. You can start a free trial using the link in the show notes, special for SSP fans. What's going on, everyone? It's Jesse, and welcome to part two of my three-part episode series titled Closing Your First or Next $100,000 SaaS Deal. So why am I talking about this right now? If you're listening in real time, it's the dead of summer. We're in the middle of July, and it's probably not a point in time when a lot of people are thinking about pulling the trigger on $100,000 or more of SaaS. Now, hear me out. When I went and looked back at some of the data around the deals that I've closed over the last few years that were over six figures in annual revenue, believe it or not, most of those happened in the back half of the year. So they happened between July and the end of December. In fact, in one case, the largest deal that I ever closed closed on December 23rd, right before people left for the rest of the calendar year. So the reason I wanted to talk about this right now is to give you some motivation in this month of July when, yes, a lot of your prospects are out of town right now. A lot of people are traveling. A lot of people are getting ready for their kids to go back to school. And things might seem a little bit quiet around the office. And it might be a little bit hard to feel like you're getting traction in July with your buyers. Now, that said, these big deals get done in this month. In July and August, they definitely get done. And the work that you do right now will yield those types of deals later on. Now, if you're in a position to close a six-figure deal, this should be great news. You can get to work right now doing some of these things to make sure that you're checking all the boxes to get a deal like this done. Now, maybe you're not in a role where you're actually directly going to close $100,000 in annual revenue. That's okay too. Start thinking about some of the things you can do based on these steps that will help you hunt down your next uh, $100,000, hunt down your company's next $100,000 annual SaaS deal or how you can prepare to be in a position where you could close $100,000 in SaaS. And I talked about this in the last episode, but this is a pivotal moment in any sales career when you can close six-figure annual deals. I guarantee you can close multiple six-figure deals that way, and you can more than likely get to a point in your career if you work at it and learn the skills required and build the necessary connections. You can close seven-figure deals also. So this is a key point along your career journey whether you decide to become a sales manager, 
a strategic account director, or anything else in between, this is something that is a very valuable skill to have in the business world, which is why I'm dedicating three distinct episodes for each part here. So quick recap on what we talked about in episode one. I was focused on that episode on steps one and two, which are really about putting together an account list that fits within your target accounts that's likely or you know feasibly able to spend $100,000 on your SaaS. So that's really step one. Step two is starting to prepare questions and a discovery process so that you can vet out the, uh, the accounts from that list that you put together in step one and decide if it's really a possibility that they are a fit and that they might have a challenge that your solution solves for and that they can feasibly spend six figures or more on your SaaS product. So doing research, putting together questions, trying to understand their business and doing a lot of discovery were part of that step two. Today, I'm going to talk about steps three and four. And I'll just start with um, step three here is building a deal team to get the deal done. And this is something that in the early parts of my career, I thought was really abstract. I didn't know how to coordinate resources and manage internal resources to help me get the deal done. So let's talk about that a little bit today. And then I'll get to number four here in a second. And then I've got to wrap early. Uh, this won't be a very long episode because I'm actually hitting the road for a road trip, heading up to the mountains of Northern Arizona, which I'm super excited about. So let's dig into number three here, building a deal team internally to get the deal done. So if you look at the most successful reps in your company, the ones that are closing the largest deals, you'll see a very common denominator, which is these people are really good at allocating company resources and managing those internal resources in order to help get a deal done. This is consistent across every company, every deal. You really can't close large ticket deals in a silo or in a vacuum, as they say. You've got to have a company's worth of resources or a team's worth of resources to get these done. So how do you do that? Again, it's kind of an abstract skill. And it's easy for me to sit here and say, well, you need to have a deal team to get a deal done, but not, but you may not know exactly how to execute on that. So for starters, I'd begin building relationships with key players within your company who can help you get deals done. Those people might be on your pre-sales or sales engineering team. They might be on your customer success team. They might be on your software implementation team, but also working with your manager directly, working with the leader of the implementations team, working with the leader of the customer success team, working with somebody in your product marketing team who might be able to put some visual something or other together to help this person review their options and further evaluate your product. Of course, you'll want to start to build really good rapport and relationships with your internal executive leadership, or if you're in an early stage startup, that's your founders. So you really need to have leadership. You need to have a technical resource and you need to have post sales resources, which can be customer success implementation and anything else that's included in the post sale process. And the reason for that is, as part of closing a deal like this, you really have to paint a picture for the buyer of what happens right when they sign a contract with you. What's gonna happen the next day, the next hour? Are they going to have to implement this by themselves and grunt through the setup and implementation process? Or are there a team of resources available to them to help them get implemented and help them be successful with your product? And then as far as the pre-sales side of things, you want to have someone who can speak to the technical members of the team who are part of the evaluation process. And I believe I discussed this in the last episode. Most of the time you're in, in almost any deal cycle, regardless of what you're selling, if it's over a certain dollar threshold, 
IT will get involved. And if it's over a really high dollar threshold, a lot of times there's like a steering committee that manages, you know, procurement and IT and they make the decisions and they evaluate it as a board and a group. Most of the just 100,000 to call it $500,000 deals don't require that. But just in case, know that there's a lot of times going to be a heavy IT presence in most of your conversations. So having a technical resource on your team who can speak to things like integrations and specific functionality of something within the platform, who can get really specific with the buyer about their use cases and how your product is going to solve their challenges is critical. And you really can't do a technical SaaS deal or even a non-technical SaaS deal of a certain deal size unless you've got those resources not only aligned but prepared as well. And you as the seller are responsible for prepping all parties before any call with the customer. And what you don't want to do is just invite people via Slack or whatever, and then show up to a customer facing call and no one knows what their role is, what hat they're supposed to be wearing. So I'm a big advocate of doing a prep call internally. A lot of times I do a prep call externally with the buyer. That's another topic for another episode, but definitely be having internal prep meetings and probably debrief meetings afterwards or like uh, postmortems, I think is another word you'll hear for them. So really be working closely with the people that are on your deal team. And again, it starts with building rapport. It starts with showing them that you're capable of managing your resources and that you're respectful of their time and that you have a plan. So one thing that I've used in the past, and I can share this resource, I have an internal account planning document that basically will break down a specific deal or opportunity in a way that everyone that I'm working with on the internal side of my company can take a look at it all the way up to my executives. If my leadership wants to look at it and see where I'm at in a specific deal, they can see all these highlights. They can see pain points, covers things like how big is the company? What is the dollar amount of the opportunity? What's the, you know, specific, who are the specific people involved in the project? What's their timeline? It has all kinds of information like that, but I've found that it's really helpful to maybe build like a Google folder or some kind of living, breathing, group of resources that can be shared with anybody who's going to ultimately get involved with the deal because that'll help them get up to speed really quickly and have what they need to participate in the deal cycle in a meaningful way. So prep is key, having internal conversations, having resources prepared, and then having a plan for execution. You need to be the quarterback, as they say. You hear that all the time. AEs are the quarterback. You have got to facilitate the team and you know help them know what role they play in the deal cycle. Otherwise, you're going to get on a bunch of Zoom calls and it's going to be a mess, right? So preparation's key, building rapport with these resources and really helping them understand what part they play in the broader deal cycle. Build yourself a deal team. The best reps do it. Really, any rep who's closed over a certain dollar figure has figured out how to do this. Again, it's not something that they teach in new hire training, so it is something you're going to have to figure out on your own how to do. But use your best judgment. Use your business acumen to do so. So step four here is doing a proof of concept, a proof of value, a pilot, whatever your company calls it. And maybe your company doesn't offer something like this, but the, the theme is most buyers who spend over $100,000 on SaaS, they want to put their hands on the product before they spend that kind of money on it. So most will not commit to a hundred or $500,000 contract out of the gates without first doing some kind of a short-term test to make sure that the product fits their needs. And that's where a POC, I'm going to call it a POC, it's proof of concept. Um, and again, that's a general term meant to cover things like pilot or trial or whatever. 
So most companies will do a 90 day or a 60 day POC of the product where they can get their data into your system. They can get their users on your system. They can have their IT team test some things, some integrations, et cetera, et cetera. So you likely won't win big deals unless you've first done a proof of concept. So here's some ideas I have around POCs. They're gonna differ depending on the type of company you work for and what your product looks like. Some companies are really easy to test out and trial. Others are more complex and involve a lot of technical integrations or a lot more data to be input into the system. And it might be a little bit more challenging to do a POC. And if your company doesn't have a POC program, I'd talk to your leadership and your product leadership team and try to get something figured out. I should say engineering leadership team you've got to figure out a way if you want to close big deals to, to let people try the product before they buy it. So I like to do paid proofs of concept. Um, I've heard them called again, proofs of value where maybe for a few thousand dollars a month, they try it out for 90 days. And then at the end of that 90 day period, they get upgraded to a full cost contract. And you can actually outline that from this, from the onset and say, look guys, this is uh, ultimately going to be a $300,000 investment in our SaaS, but for the first 90 days, it's going to cost, I don't know, $5,000 a month instead, right? So you can set the expectation up front that they're in a trial period, but when they upgrade from the trial, the pricing is going to change to reflect a longer term contract. I've even got templates that are you know meant to build in a POC in the front end of a longer term contract. So when they sign for the proof of concept, they're also signing for a longer term agreement. I think it's really important too for doing a POC to involve the IT team, to involve all the stakeholders in the deal cycle and definitely involve your deal team that we just talked about. Everyone needs to be involved. I strongly recommend doing like a weekly, at least, you know, no, no less than like every other week, some kind of a touch base or standup so you can be sure that the customer, the prospect is getting what they need out of the POC and that they're checking the boxes uh, as part of their evaluation. Because what I've seen happen a lot is brands and, and you know companies and, and, and SaaS vendors will kick off a POC and then nobody talks to each other for 90 days. And then the 90 days comes and goes and nobody goes anywhere. Nobody signs for a longer term thing. Um, that's a little bit of an exaggeration and, and extreme example, but I do see that often that if you're not prepared and you don't, you know, check in as often as possible. And then really it also comes down to setting good expectations up front too. So if you're not going into a POC saying, Hey, we really want to understand what boxes we need to check as part of this project that would allow us to move forward in a longer term partnership. So I would set those up and establish those at the beginning of the POC before you kick the POC off, you really want to have those in place. And then you want to manage to those things in a weekly call, right? So every time you're checking in with the customers, it's, Hey, how are we tracking against these things that you're evaluating specifically that are going to help us move this to a longer term agreement? So communications key again, number three or step three here, building a deal team kind of lends itself nicely to, to number four, which is building the POC or, or designing a POC. So all of these kind of tie back into each other. And then it all, you know, starts with having the right types of buyers in that funnel and being able to suss out whether or not they're really serious. If you're getting to the POC stage, it's actually a great way to qualify whether someone's very serious about purchasing your SaaS, because if they're not willing to try it out before they buy a longer term thing, then you kind of know that they're not maybe a serious buyer and they're more of a tire kicker. So that's it for today. Uh, steps three and four, build a deal team, design some POCs or some pilots for your buyers, 
If you want to close big deals, both of those things are critical to do so. Hope that helps someone. And um, if you want to learn more about the course, just visit jessewoodbury.com slash 100K. Thanks for tuning in.